Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. This is episode 22. I'm your host, as always, Noah Rubin. Uh, for this episode, Adam King joined me to finish breaking down the Dynasty mock draft that he hosted, the 20-team Dynasty mock that took, I don't remember how long, but a very long time. Uh, this is the second part of that, but it's also the first episode of two that I am releasing today. It's a little bit off schedule. Uh, generally, it's one episode each Friday, and this week it's two on Wednesday. So we're just doing a little bit more. Uh, it's a little bit, like I said, off schedule. Um, but hey, getting you more content and getting it out to you quicker instead of doing a mock draft, uh, which is the second episode, doing a mock draft and then telling you about it two days later. Um, obviously, this was a very slow dynasty mock that we didn't end up talking about until a couple weeks after it was done, which was more than that uh, after we started. But still, uh, Adam and I went through rounds 6 through 16 uh, for this one, talked about our picks and and a couple other ones, but mostly just our picks and our thinking. Uh, before we get into that, just a reminder to follow me on Twitter at NoahRubin22. Subscribe to my substack, NoahRubin.substack.com. Uh, some of those articles will hopefully start up again here in a few weeks uh, once we finish the Roto World Draft Guide. Uh, also, like, subscribe, rate, comment on this podcast, uh, leave a review, wherever it is uh, you're able to, helps me out a ton, helps other people be able to find it. It also just uh, lets me know where I can improve or things I do well. Um, just love to hear. So it makes me feel like I'm not just talking into the void, which is kind of what I feel like I'm doing now. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, this is, like I said, episode 22, and let's go ahead and get into it. Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. This is episode 22. We are going through a, the same dynasty mock that we went through last time. Uh, it's going to be just me and Adam King for this one because Zach actually was lucky enough to secure tickets to a meet and greet with the one and only Dante Exum at literally the grocery store like 10 minutes from his house. It was pretty crazy to me when he told us that uh, we are very envious. He's he said he would come back with uh, some signed merch and a selfie next time he appears in the show. I'm expecting him to bring that. Um, but Adam, what? tell me about your day and how you're feeling. But also, what do you think about that news? It's breaking news, that's for sure. Um, very jealous. Uh, and yeah, plenty. Maybe he'll bring Dante Exum with him to the next episode. We'll, that's what we'll we see. need. Um, my day is uh, just starting. It's 6.30 here in the morning, so... Um, just me riding solo in the house at the moment, um, but I'm sure they'll all stumble out of the darkness in the next few minutes if they're hoping to get ready for school and work. Well, I mean, I, I guess they kind of have to or should or something like that. They could always mm. just take a day off. Everybody kind of needs a day off every once in a while, but at least you'll get a few minutes of some peace before all that happens. But we mentioned Dante Exum early in this episode. Uh it was very forced, very forced, but we uh, we did have to bring it up per usual. Um, and you told me before that you have his stats up and ready to go. I do. Um, so obviously I watched a lot of the World Cup. Um, still watching a lot of the World Cup. US had a good win last night after a little stumble, well, stumble against uh, Lithuania. But given the team they played last night, 
was looked it, it appeared a lot easier than it would have been if they'd had to play Serbia. So maybe it was a strategic yeah. loss. I don't know. Yep. Um, yeah. So I thought I'd pull up his stats because I thought he played quite well. Um, like all jokes aside, he he actually is an NBA player this season um, with Dallas, and it'd be curious to see how he goes. Um, he was drafted what about ten years ago, I think, and um, had a lot of injuries. But I thought he looked pretty good. He's been he's been playing well in Europe. Um, he didn't start for Australia, but uh, and didn't do much on the defensive end, which I think is sort of what he needs to do to stick on the floor in the NBA. Um, but what sort of stood out to me was his improved three point shot. Um, which is another thing he needs to do. The NBA has changed a lot since he was drafted. Um, for the tournament, uh, from three-point, he went eight of 17. So it's not a massive sample size, but it's 47%. Um, certainly looked far more confident from the three-point line. So, uh, look, I, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, we, we, we talk about him sort of jokingly, but I think he can have a bit of a role for Dallas. He's not a fantasy player or anything like that, but... Um, uh, yeah, I think they can utilise him on the wing there uh, a little bit with Josh Green and um, he can handle the ball a bit. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm hoping that that he plays some minutes this season and isn't, isn't just there as a depth piece that is never used. And if he's hitting threes, playing defence, I mean, Dallas can probably use all the help they can get. As far as depth, they're so star heavy, but every single time he has even a, a slightly good game, I'm going to make sure the world knows. That's what's important here yeah. is that the world knows about the return of Dante Exum, even if it's an 11-point performance. Everybody needs to know. But he had 18 in their last game in the World Cup, so mm, he did. maybe maybe if that happens uh, in an NBA game, we'll, we'll do a whole podcast breakdown about his performance and include some film. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's worthwhile. Um, something that is relevant, and I know we, we're on a not a, a time crunch here, but we do want to try and keep it relatively short. Um, Trey Murphy, I just woke up reading that Trey Murphy has, well, it's a meniscus injury, no details on the severity yet. Surgery would obviously mean he'll miss the start of the season. Um, if he doesn't have surgery, he probably still misses the start of the season, but maybe just a few weeks. Um, is that like I, I literally woke up and just saw it on Twitter. There's no more news, is there, other than that? Nope, no, nothing else other than that. Um, which sucks to see because he was one of the only players that was durable for New Orleans last season. And they have so many injuries, specifically with Zion and BI, but other guys as well. So the fact that they're facing what could be a pretty major injury a month and a half before the season starts is just really unfortunate, especially with the season that he had last year. He was, according to Basketball Monster, 45th in nine cat scoring. And granted, most of that comes from getting a steal a game and hitting a ton of threes and being pretty efficient. It's not like it was explosive anywhere, like really dominated a category or two, but very, very serviceable, very good player. That's still, what is he? He's very young, 23. He is, yeah, but but I think it, uh, obviously we hear about little injuries and like Montrez Harrell, but no one cares because he wasn't going to play or wasn't a fantasy relevant player. Obviously we care, but um, yeah, I think Trey Murphy was sort of, Picking up a bit of steam as a as a nice mid round pick this season, um, ADP of uh, on Yahoo of around a hundred, Fantrax about eighty, um, Basketball Monster has him at sixty eight. So 
he's someone that's going to be fantasy relevant. And I think if he misses time, um, probably Herb Jones gets a little bit of a bump. Um, maybe Dyson Daniels sees some extra minutes there as well. I don't think we're making any major changes um, other than maybe Murphy gets knocked down a couple of rounds. And it probably makes Willie Green's job a little bit easier trying to figure out a starting lineup yeah. with Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Trey Murphy because that's that's a headache to try and figure out. It is. Yeah, yeah. I think it yeah, obviously if Trey's not available, um Herb will start. Um so you maybe bump him up slightly. I think he's probably been drafted in a few spots. He's he's sort of the prime example of a specialist because he, he really does nothing other than defense. <laughs> um but yeah, he's probably you probably sort of take him towards the end of the draft with a bit more confidence now. Yeah. And Trey Murphy was selected 75th in that dynasty mock that took mm. us two or three months to do that we did, mm. I guess like a month ago at this point. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and get back into that. He went 75th, but we are going to start in round six. If you're watching it, uh, just pulled up the picks, but we'll kind of read through ours. Um, Zach, like I said, not here this time, but it'll just be the two of us breaking down our picks and maybe maybe a couple others. Uh, like Adam said, we're going to try and not have this be the longest episode because we get on tangents sometimes. And as much fun as we have, we're going to try and keep it on the on the more reasonable side. Uh, but in round six, I picked Emmanuel quickly at 103, and Adam got Zach Collins at 112. I know I've talked a lot about Zach Collins this summer. Um, should be in for a big season. Yet when I'm doing random Yahoo mock drafts, not with anybody just like clicking on joining a random one, I'm able to consistently get him in round 11 or 12 um, because of where Yahoo has him ranked and his ADP is in like 130s. So great bargain for me because I think a lot of analysts are in agreement that he's going to have a big season but he's still also very young. So I really like this pick here. You want to kind of talk about it? Yeah, look, I, I don't mind it. Um, I think I've just got to go back through my my team and remind myself who I drafted. But I think at this point in the draft, I was really looking for a center. Um, I didn't have a center yet. I had well, I had Chet. Um, so so I guess he's a, he's a powerful center. But I needed some blocks. Um, Zach Collins is still, yeah, he's still only 25. He's, he's almost 26. He f- feels like he's older, feels like he's been around for a long time, but has just been injured and, and had a run of bad luck. So I think despite when Manyama being there, he still starts. Um, he has a chance to sort of cement himself as the starter there for the next few years if he plays well. Um, I think he complements Wemanyama quite well. They can both stretch the floor uh, so they can they can sort of shift in and out. Decent defender, um, so it won't really blow you away and, and not a guy that's going to explode and be a top 40 player. I don't think that's doable, but he should be or, or could be sort of a top 70 guy for multiple seasons um, based on what we saw down the stretch last year. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, over the final month or so, I'm pulling it up, he was 30th in 9-cat, and over the final two months, he was 43rd. So it's probably unlikely that he does that over the course of the full season. Sure. I'm sure Wemby being there probably hurts him a little bit, uh, maybe not a ton, but he's definitely going to be the guy, probably lead the team in rebounding. Wemby might take away some some block shots from him, but 
he definitely uh, showed it down the stretch. We'll see if he can do it over the course of a season now that he's a full-time starter and teams have more of a game plan for him than what we saw at the end of last season. Um, but, you know, you bring up a good point about going back over our teams. So I will do that real quick. Uh, so the picks we've talked about so far, um, Adam went Chet Holmgren at pick 12, and then Josh Giddy, OG Ananobi, Anthony Simons, Jade McDaniels, and then Zach Collins. I went Victor Wembanyama at three, and then Desmond Bain, Devin Vassell, Onyeko Kongwu, Derek White, and then Emmanuel Quickly. Um, I was when I was drafting, and I think I tend to do this with mocks. Sometimes I try and the first couple rounds go for maybe kind of sort of fit if I want to do kind of a punting thing. But since it's dynasty, it's you know things change so often it's kind of hard to really commit, especially with a mock draft. But Emmanuel Quickly at one hundred three, I think he's a guy that has the ability to be just dominant in fantasy basketball if he gets the chance. Like he's really good from three. I think that if he had a full-time point guard role, he could be more of like better with assists. I believe pretty good at steals and has shown that he can be a really good scorer off the bench for the Knicks. Um, yeah, he averaged 1.3 steals per game. Well, that's over the final two months of last season. Hold on. 1.0 steals. So not quite as good, but still pretty good uh, last season. Finished just outside the top 100 last year, but he's still really young. Everybody's super high on Tyrese Maxey, another quick Kentucky guard, and they both played together. I think that if quickly, quickly situation was a little bit better, he'd be thought of more highly. And obviously Jalen Brunson's there, so it's going to be and, – and even when you know anybody else has been there, Tom Thibodeau's just been pretty consistent about wanting to keep quickly coming off the bench. But whether it's with New York or a different team, I think eventually he – should be or has to be a starter and that's kind of when this pick will pay off yeah i think for a few years there the the frustration was that he wasn't playing uh he would he would play big minutes for two games because of an injury and then be scaled right back last season we saw thibodeau finally crack i suppose and 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 actually give him solid consistent minutes he averaged 29 uh, minutes per game uh, ended just outside the top 100. So I think we need to consider that his floor for the next, what, five, six, seven years. He's only 24. Um, I think his role, yeah, should should hover around that 28, 30 minutes. Uh, so a little bit like, I guess, is Zach Collins in that. I don't think he's going to blow up and, and sort of be this fantastic third-round guy, but we've seen enough from him that, I think he can be top 100 multiple seasons, probably top 70. Um, and you never know, like with injuries and, and that sort of thing. Brunson's obviously there. Um, but there, there's, there is upside there. Um, so, no, I think, I think this is a, a good pick uh, of a young player who, who's got uh, the ability to keep improving. Um, he hasn't had a ton of opportunity yet in his career and what we have seen has been impressive, so... Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to round seven, where you got Denny Abdija at pick 129, and I went mm-hmm. Keldon Johnson at 138. Uh, what do you think about getting Denny there? He's, you know, I think from what I remember, had pretty high expectations for fantasy uh, when he was young, but it just never has, or I guess through his first few seasons, hasn't really panned out into really good fantasy production. I think this is probably a make or break year as far as 
if he's going to end up being or reaching that potential that people kind of expected just because it's a really good situation for him. Uh, but what do you think? Yeah, this was one I'm I'm not as confident in as I was with like a Zach Collins um, or even Emmanuel Quickly. Um, I, I, I like him. Um, I still think he has nice a nice fantasy game. Like he does have the ability to handle the ball. He's a decent rebounder, um, serviceable on the defensive end. Not not elite by any means, but can hit threes. So so I like his across the board kind of production. Uh, a little bit like an Otto Porter. Um, used to be like someone who just doesn't really hurt you anywhere, but but can chip in. So I think this year he probably sees a bigger role on Washington. I'm not sure. I hope he starts, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not as confident. I think he has the ability to to sort of beat this in terms of rank for a few seasons. He's he's only 22 or 23. I think he's still pretty young as well. Um, so he does have time on his side. Potentially he's three, four years away from his prime. So it really, for me, for Avdi, it comes down to how he's handled in Washington. And if they finally just say, okay, let's go, you're our starter. We're going to give you 30, 32 minutes. Uh, I'm not confident that happens. But if it does, then then I'm certainly fine with this pick. Yeah. And then I went Keldon Johnson at pick 138. Um, I have said this previously. I don't remember if it was redraft or dynasty, but that I probably wouldn't take Keldon within the top 125. Um, I think of probably either format. I, he's really good at scoring and I guess hitting threes, and that's really it for fantasy. And he's definitely had some stretches where he's really bad uh, for field goal percentage and really tanks your field goal percentage. I think he had a, a month-long stretch last season where he was just awful i you know he's young he should only get better and it's hard to find 22 point per game scores that are only they're about to turn 24 uh even this at this point of the draft so i was pretty happy to get keldon johnson there uh, especially because i had gone relatively guard slash center heavy the only other player really that is a forward i guess Wemby is a forward technically and that's probably it uh, because Denver sells probably a two or three, but I don't know. Pretty happy to get Kelvin Johnson here, even if he's not great across the board. Yeah, he's sort of the opposite of of Danny. He he only contributes in really right. two categories. Um, I'm, I've just pulled up Harrison Barnes' stats for his career because he sort of reminds me of Harrison Barnes a little bit. Um, and as you said, he's not he's not going to be elite. He's not going to be top 50, but Harrison Barnes had, I mean, two years ago, he was almost a top 80 player, top 90 player a few years before that top 80 the year before that um, averaging sort of 16 to 18 points, five, six rebounds, very little else. Um, some threes, like one and a half, two threes. I think Johnson can do that, whether it's in San Antonio or somewhere else. So, as you said, someone who's getting you 18 to 20 points a night at this point in the draft um, is always going to have some value in fantasy because points, as we know, are harder to get as you get further into the draft. Yeah, and if you just you, – you bring up Harrison Barnes. I was just looking at RJ Barrett, just another guy that yeah. really just scores. Um, but Kelvin Johnson's numbers were just a tad better across the board in every category, just 
ever so slightly better, which was why he was 165 and nine cat instead of 290 last year. So it's yeah, kind of crazy how that's just the difference right there. Yeah, look, he's far more efficient, um, especially from the free throw line. That's where a lot of Barrett's um, deficiencies come from the free throw line, whereas I think Keldon's sort of an 80% free throw shooter. So, um, yeah, I'd certainly much prefer Keldon Johnson over RJ Barrett. Yep. And I kept the trend going in round eight. Uh, I went Trey Jones. So now I have four Spurs on my team. I don't even think I... (laughs) I did that on purpose, but um, I did it. I got Trey Jones at 143, and then you went Josh Hart at 152. Trey Jones is young. He's Mm -hmm. – I'm pulling up his age right now, but even though he's not an old point guard, he's more of, in my opinion, a win-now player than you may think. He's going to turn – he's going to turn 24 this season. He was top 100 last year. most of his value coming from assists and some steals and low turnovers, kind of like his brother. But I don't think he's San Antonio's point guard of the future. I think he's more like Tyus Jones where mm-hmm. he's going to end up being kind of a career, like a really good career backup, a really good career backup point guard. He does exactly what you want in that role, but he's not really dominant. Um, so I think this could be the last season of him as their starting point guard, but I still think he's going to be really good this year. I just don't think that, that continues past the season so at this point of the draft you know you kind of have your base for your team i'm looking at either getting guys that are going to help me win immediately even though i did go victor Wembanyama in the first round you still i'm not thinking that's immediately saying i'm going to tank i think you're still trying to win um and so it's either win now guys or guys that have a ton of upside and i think for me this was more of a win now pick yeah, look, he's fine. Um, as you said, I think he's going to settle into that role, much like his brother. Well, like his brother had had prior to this season, right. um, where, yeah, I don't think he, he's a long-term starter on a winning team. So it really depends on where he's playing. Um, but his floor is safe enough, like assists are valuable. Uh, he'll get you – he's not as good on the defensive end as Tyus, but still get you a three a game uh, – a steal a game, um, 1.2, 1.3. Probably not as strong from the free th- uh, from the three point line either as his brother. Yet um, he's more of a get to the basket kind of player. But um, no, I think yeah. Look, he, this season he's going to have a big role uh, again. He was what was he last year? Top one hundred, probably mm-hmm. top one hundred again. This season, the fact that he's he's going to have Wembenyama there um, probably helps him. Uh, I think he's going to have a, another target. Um, a reliable scorer, or well, he might be a little bit inefficient as well, but he'll have a good target there in Wembenyama. Um, I think their ro- their rotation will be a little bit more set, so he can form some chemistry with those guys as well. So I could see him probably having a slightly better season this year, um, top 90, top 80 at best. Uh, but at this point of the draft, yeah, it's, you take him and, and um, shore up your assists and steals. Yeah. And then you went Josh Hart at 152, who is coming off a really good year. Um, well, I guess second half of the year playoffs for the Knicks has played a pretty critical role leading Team USA and rebounding, uh, which is pretty crazy for a 6'5 guy. But I guess when you look at the rest of the team, it's not that crazy. But uh, played really well for the Knicks, re signed, is 
going to be there for the foreseeable future. And I think he just has a really fantasy-friendly game, but he's still not that old either. So I think it's another solid pick at 152. Yeah, a little bit older when you compare him to my guys, but still only 28. So um, theoretically in his prime, uh, again, not a guy that has a, a massively high ceiling, but his floor is really safe. Um, he was a good fit in New York last season. I think he came in and made a real difference to them. So whether he starts or not, I think he's going to play 30 minutes a night. Uh, as you've as you've touched on, he's arguably the best rebounder from the guard position in the NBA. Uh, I'm punting points in my build, so I don't care that he only gets you 10 or 11 points. Um, he'll get me some steals. He'll get a couple of assists, some rebounds. Uh, he'll hit a three. So... Just fits my team, what I'm looking for, guys that can produce across the board, but that I don't I don't need him to score. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned he's not a great scorer, but the season before in Portland, and I believe that was also partially in New Orleans, uh, he averaged fifteen points a game. So hmm. he's, his role probably isn't catered to that with the Knicks. They have other scoring options, but definitely kind of a a glue guy that can do a little bit of everything and without hurting you anywhere. So like you said, punt points, punt points, build, perfect fit. And then uh, round nine, uh, as I pull up our picks again, I went, or I'll start with your pick, I guess. Cole, you went Cole Anthony at uh, 169, and I went Bobby Portis at 178. Uh, do you just have a thing for Magic Guards? Because I know you're a big Markel Fultz guy, but uh, you went, obviously, you're not getting Fultz at 169, but... Cole Anthony's still not a bad pick with, uh, to I guess, kind of the anti-punt points build, though. Yeah, so so I sort of went with him more just to to get some more assists. Um, yeah, the scoring doesn't really bother me. And, and he, he is a better scorer, but for me, I think he needs to move uh, in terms of team. Like, I don't think there's a role for him on Orlando long-term. I, I think they're going to prioritise faults. Suggs and Black over him. I mean, I can't be sure. I'm obviously I'm not there as part of their coaching staff, but it would appear that way. Um, so I, I still don't think we know exactly where he fits in the NBA. Uh, but the the time he has spent in Orlando, he's looked pretty good. Um, another guy that is a good rebounder from the guard position as well. Um, I remember a couple of years ago he had a couple of I don't know if he had triple doubles or just some really big rebound double doubles yeah I feel like he might have got 20 rebounds in a game um not last season but potentially the season before uh so so yeah handy rebounder um he'll get me some threes uh not great on the defensive end but we're what at 160 something it's on the board in front of me 169 um so at this point I'm looking for a bit of upside um shoring up some guard stats and if he can land on a team where he can play 30 minutes a night, uh, I think he can probably be a top 100 player. And he had a game um, in 2021 where he had 16 rebounds and that's his career high uh, to go with 29 points and eight assists. So that's a, it's a pretty solid performance there. (laughs) Definitely. If he can, uh, I'm not saying he's going to do that with any sort of consistency, but definitely for a, uh, I thought six foot three guard. I think that's rebounding numbers are pretty good right there. So, and you know, whether it's with Orlando, you know, Orlando's probably like a 
tighter guard rotation. It's going to be hard for him to really excel mm-hmm. there. But like you said, if he does end up with another team, he has a lot of upside for the assists, decent rebounder. And maybe you're not punting points as much as you think. Maybe it's going to help you a little bit there to, to compete a tad. Uh, because, I mean, you do have some other guys like Anthony Simons is going to be a really good scorer. Maybe maybe Chet and Josh Giddy and OG bump up a little bit. Not great, but definitely helps you out a little bit there. I went Bobby Portis, 178. Not a ton of upside at this point of his career, but when either Giannis or Brooke Lopez misses a game, he's probably going to be guaranteed a double-double. Uh, not last season, but I believe the season before he was 58th and nine cat while consistently coming off the bench and being their sixth man. So, you know, if you're looking, he can get points, rebounds and threes, pretty efficient as well. I think getting him at 178 for the games that he can start. And even when he's coming off the bench to give the production like that, uh, I like getting at 178, even if. You know, he's going to turn 29. He's not – he doesn't have a ton of upside at this point. No, look, I think he's he's fine here. Um, As you said, very little upside. He'll be 29 soon. Um, But the the Bucks are anything but healthy or young. So, like, Brooke Lopez is there. Giannis is – I mean, he's not old, but he he has an ongoing knee thing. So – Portis is usually the guy that benefits when any of them go down. So he's not going to be a starter most nights, but there could be periods where he does start for the next year, two years. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think they like him in Milwaukee. He's a good fit. Um, He seems to have um, become a bit of a fan favourite, which is sort of the opposite of what he was when he was in Chicago (laughs) after the whole Nikola Mirotic Mirotic Mm -hmm. punch thing. Um, So... Yeah, look, I think this is this is a fine pick. Um, he, he's he is a guy that can stretch the floor from the center position as well, so he'll get you some some threes, um, some rebounds. Not a lot on the defensive end, but um, but yeah, yeah, just fine, just fine. Yeah, nothing nothing too exciting, but a solid pick. Um, I did the same thing in round ten. I went Bojan Bojan Bogdanovic with one eighty three. And then you went Orlando Robinson with 192. Bogdanovich, I'm, I've been kind of surprised by how late he's gone in redraft leagues this year. I know he's um, he's 34 and a half or about to be. Uh, so I understand why he slips in dynasty. But I was, you know, looking for another win now guy. Gives me points. He doesn't do anything defensively pretty much whatsoever, which is, you know, that's fine with me. Uh, with this team, you know, I have guys that are going to get defensive stats, but not a ton of them. Like Wemby will get blocks. Okongwu will get blocks. Devin Vassell's pretty good for steals. Derek White, pretty good for defensive stats. But, you know, Desmond Bain's a guy that's not really doing anything defensively. Kelvin Johnson's a guy that's not doing anything defensively. Bobby Portis. So I was fine to get Boyan here uh, just because he was Pistons' leading scorer last year and was really the only fantasy-relevant player aside from stretches from Jalen Duran, And then he missed the end of last season. Everybody kind of forgot about him. So hmm. I think he's going to, you know, he's going to start. He's going to be either their leading scorer or second leading scorer behind Cade. But I think having a point guard there will help him, you know, get better looks. Last year he was just kind of 
the star of Detroit, which isn't saying much, but I was happy to get him here with another kind of win now pick without much upside. Um, like I said, even though he is old. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, much very similar to the Bobby Porter's pick. Um, and and in a way, the Kelton Johnson pick, so points late is always something, if you can get it, you, you sort of take it. Um, yeah, he's not going to... He's not at that point of his career where he's going to turn things around and become this dynamic defender or anything. He is who he is at the moment, but um, he's very reliable perimeter scorer, good from the free throw line. Uh, so, yeah, another one solid at this point of the draft. Um, sure up though, that points category. And you went Orlando Robinson's definitely more of an upside pick, uh, mm. center for the Heat. Um, may not, you know, I think he'll kind of compete for that backup center role behind. Uh, Bam Adebayo, and I, if I'm not mistaken, he had a few games last year where he had to play a decent role and put up some pretty big rebounding and block numbers. Um, but for the most part, kind of sat on their bench or played in the G League last year. But young guy, uh, 23 years old, could be the next undrafted Heat star. He has that upside. Yeah, look, I thought I thought he was really good in summer league, and and obviously summer league is summer league. We don't take too much away, but um, their backup at the moment is Thomas Bryant, who we sort of know who he is. Um, he's had his fair share of injuries. He's not a good defender. Um, he does get some defensive stats, but if he was a good defender, he'd he'd have a bigger role on a, on a team. But he hasn't been able to to earn that. So. I don't think Orlando Robinson is the is the backup to start the year, but it wouldn't surprise me if he overtakes Bryant at some point. Um, in the summer league, he averaged 20, 20.5 points, 8.3 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.7 steals, 1.3 threes. He had a 36 and 11 game, 25 and 8, 27 and 9. Uh, so I, I just like his upside, and, and we know that the Heat are really good at developing these undrafted players. So I'm sort of hitching my wagon to that a little bit. Um, but And, yeah, look, we're at 190, uh, so it's purely upside. Um, it, it might not be anything this year, but it might be that it's two years or three years before he's figured out who he is and where he fits. But, uh, yeah, I liked what I saw in Summer League and, and in limited minutes last season, I thought he was impressive. Yep, got to go upside picks where you can because I feel like they're few and far between sometimes in dynasty drafts, especially as the further you get along, uh, the more people kind of just try and get their guys. Uh, round 11, you went Luke Kennard at pick 209, added some threes, and I did the same thing with Corey Kispert at pick 218. Uh, Luke Kennard was fitting really well with Memphis, I thought they just provided some really good shooting, ended up playing a pretty decent role for them after the trade last season and just gave them another dimension offensively with, and now Dylan Brooks is gone. Um, I don't know if he'll slide in as the starter or not, but I think he plays a pretty decent sized role off the bench. And for however long he's in the NBA, he's going to hit a lot of threes. And that's what you added it with pick 209. Yeah, look, I like Kennard. I remember... Oh, it'd be four years ago when he was in Detroit. Um, and when he was around 23, he was there was a bit of hype around him for a while there that he was going to be um, 
quite a strong guard option for them, the ability to pass, the ability to score. Never really eventuated. He went to the Clippers in and out of the rotation. Um, but then in Memphis, as you said, last season, um, he moved there uh, as, as a trade. I can't remember which trade he was part of, but but he ended up there. And over the last uh, month, he was top 60 player, uh, nearly 14 points a game. Um, but his value comes from three. He's 3.7 three-pointers. And if you just look through his game log down the stretch, five threes, six threes, two, five, one, four, four, ten, three, two, four. So anyone that's going to get you upwards of three three-pointers a game is going to have value. Uh, and as you said, Dylan Brooks is gone. Uh, ja Morant's going to miss the first third of the season. So I think he probably plays 28, 30 minutes a night uh, for the first two months. Um, and he's still only 27, I think. So theoretically in his prime, he could still have another four or five years left where he's contributing three three-pointers. So that's really why I took him um, and a little bit of upside in terms of his passing as well. It's not great, but I think he can be a decent assist guy. Yeah. And then I went Corey Kispert with 218. Uh, he's – I actually kind of like him a little bit this year. I know he's kind of similar to my last three picks or so. I, I guess I decided to punt defensive stats in this build because I just have gone like four picks in a row without the total probably average like a steal per game. Um, and I think I continue to do that after this as well. But um, with all the changes in Washington, I think Corey Kispert has a chance to still start. And down the stretch last year, he was able to hit a ton of threes. And I think that, uh, you know, if they go like Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Corey Kispert, Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford. I think that's a very possible lineup. They might go Danny Avdia. Uh, you know, they have options, but Kispert should play a pretty legit role and be able to put up a lot of points and threes. And apparently, apparently I'm trying to win exactly two categories by just winning points <laughs> and threes every week. I'm, I'm kind of realizing that now. But um, I still think he has a good bit of upside to at least be on the floor enough to maybe contribute a little bit in the other categories, even if he's not great at, at those. Yeah, I think he's he's basically a, like a slightly younger version of my pick of Luke Kennard. So he's a guy that could get you three threes a game. Um, over the last, uh, last month, last season, he was almost 17 points a game with three threes. So... I think there's upside. He's on a team that really doesn't care, so they're going to give him some minutes, see what they have in him. Um, so, no, I, I like this pick. Very similar to I, – I can't criticise it if I don't criticise my own because they're almost an identical pick. And how many players are you getting at this point of the draft that are contributing across the board in other categories? A lot of times I think with this one – or like this late in drafts, you're trying to get – you know, guys that have upside in a category or two to be really good, and then that helps them to be at least okay in the others. Um, let's see. Next round, I went Rui Hachimura at 223, like I said, my punt defense build. Um, and you went Gabe Vincent at pick 232. Uh, a pair of Lakers that we went with here. Um, hmm. I have been kind of – I think I even mentioned this in a podcast – about fading Rui Hachimura this year. Maybe it's maybe it's a column. I don't remember. 
Um, just because I think he has a lot of hype coming into the season because he had some really, really good playoff games. Um, maybe it's just Lakers Twitter that floods onto my feed that makes me think that he has a lot of hype coming into the season. And maybe everybody kind of has the same idea of, no, he's actually not that good in fantasy. But getting him at 223, he's still young. He's had some good seasons, um, specifically early on uh, in Washington. And it's kind of been more limited as of late. I think, if I'm not mistaken, as I'm pulling this up, he's gotten progressively worse than nine cat every season of his career. Yeah, he finished 156 as a rookie, then 187, then 246, now 256 last year. So he's just getting worse. But you know, if he was, if his performance was enough for him to carve out a role, then maybe he can get back to being around 150s. Uh, but he's still 25. I had no problem taking him at 223 with the upside that he can get back to maybe top 150 or around 150 value with the Lakers, just providing them with some depth. They have a lot of old guys. Eventually, maybe as he's kind of reaching his prime, uh, he gets a larger role offensively. Yeah, I think um, I think in Washington he was a victim of the hype a little bit. So he was he was selected high. I can't remember how high he went in the draft, but he went too high. Um, and playing in Washington, there was a lot of pressure on him to come in and score and have a big role. And I just don't think he's built for that. So I think we saw last season with the Lakers, there's no pressure on him. He, he's here. He is just a role player. Um, but he will see minutes because, as you said, the Lakers are old. They're going to have injuries. Uh, so I, I think without that pressure and the expectation on him to be their go-to guy and, and leading scorer, I think he'll carve out a nice role for himself. I think he's one of these players that is actually going to play better on a better team, despite his minutes probably being fewer than what they would be on like a San Antonio or a Washington. So, yeah, look, I'm okay with this. I think there's a little bit of upside here and and he could get back to being a top 150. He sort of fits your build. Um, another guy that can score, hit some threes, uh, doesn't, doesn't do much on the defensive end, as we found out. Um, but at 223, yeah, this, this is absolutely fine. I'm looking ahead. I, I get my defensive numbers back a little bit over the last few rounds, so we'll, we'll <laughs> see if it actually works or not. But you went Gabe Vincent, who just signed with the Lakers, will probably slide in as D'Angelo Russell's backup to start. Um, we saw him take over for Kyle Lowry as a starter last season. I don't think that it's necessarily – a clear, oh, Gabe Vincent's going to take over as the starter. But D'Angelo Russell definitely struggled last year in the playoffs. Gabe Vincent didn't struggle in the playoffs. Maybe the leash is a little shorter for Russell, for D'Lo. If he uh, starts slow and just has some struggles, they have an option there that's proven, which could lead to Vincent getting a larger role, being a good scorer, hitting some threes, bringing heat culture out west. Yeah, look, I think I mean I'm punning points, so I think he fits that build quite well. He's not a he's not a high volume scorer. Um, he's one of I think he's a player whose real life value probably outweighs his fantasy value. So I think he's he's better in real life because even though we saw him put in some really strong performances in the playoffs last year, if you look at his numbers, they weren't spectacular. So I think he's ability to impact winning basketball, that sort of thing, is going to keep him on the court in LA. 
um, whether it's off the bench or whether it's starting. I think he probably plays 27, 28 minutes a night. Um, won't get you a lot of points, but he'll chip in some defensive stats, some assists. So, yeah, he, he's not going to be a game changer in fantasy, but he's he's solid at 230, what am I at, 232. He's 27, so he could still have a few years. He signed a three-year deal in LA. So, um, yeah, I'm fine with him here. It's not an exciting pick at all, but I think that his role should be fairly secure um, moving forward because, as you said, D'Angelo Russell is pretty hit or miss. Uh, he can blow up on some nights, but then he can go missing and, and there might be nights where Gabe Vincent does play 33 minutes and, and Russell plays 22 Definitely. All right, round 13, you went Goga Batadze and I, 249, and I went Jalen McDaniels, Jalen McDaniels at 258. Um, as far as Batadze, I think, and I, yeah, I think I'm saying that right. Um, I haven't heard his name in a really long time, so I actually have no idea. But I remember him having a lot of hype. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. The year after, so Luca won the MVP of the league he was playing in, and then Gogo won it the following season and then was drafted. And I remember thinking like that he was I going to end up so, being yeah. okay. Yeah. Thinking he was gonna end up being really, really good, uh, really panning out for the Pacers. Uh, so much so that in my first dynasty startup, I just had to look this up real quick. I took him 148, pick 148 in my first dynasty startup. Uh, which was 20 uh, heading into the 2019, 2020 season. So the COVID year um, pick 149 was Jordan Poole. So horrible, horrible pick by me, but that whole draft was incredibly wonky um, by a bunch of people who had never played dynasty before. So not surprising with that, but I just thought that was kind of funny. I thought I'd mentioned that. Um, but I believe he's with Orlando now. Uh, and what did you think getting him at 249? Mm-hmm. Do you see some upside there? Yeah, look, I think a little bit. He, he's twenty, still only 24. He feels a lot older to me, but still only 24. So, um, yeah, he doesn't have a clear path to minutes in Orlando, but per minute he's been really good throughout his career. Um, I think he probably only plays, like, I don't know, maybe 12 minutes a game this season, maybe 15 I, but I think for him, he just if he can find a consistent role, if, even if it's 15 minutes, that's been his issue, is that he's been in and out of the rotation uh, a little bit, no matter where he is. He'll have these games where he's, people are injured and he plays big minutes and then he won't play for three like three games. Um, he's been pretty good in the World Cup, so playing for Georgia. Um, I'm just pulled up his stats here. So he averaged 13.6 points, 7.8 rebounds, uh, a block, 1.6 steals. So very similar to his NBA stats. He, he's good on the defensive end. He's efficient. Um, so, yeah, look, this is an upside pick uh, for me, just a little bit like my Orlando Robinson. I think a center that he can have a role in the NBA. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I'm happy to take a chance on a 24-year-old at this point. Yeah. And then I went Jalen McDaniels at 258. I don't know if you remember this, uh, Adam. We did the Q&A after the trade deadline with Zach on uh, Roto World, did the live Q&A. And one of the questions that we did was the biggest winner for fantasy, like individual player. Um, and I remember 
I think you answered or Zach answered first. I don't remember who it was um, and said like the obvious winner. I, I don't really remember who it was from the, uh, from that. And I was like, okay, I don't want to just copy. I really like what Jalen McDaniels did uh, for Charlotte first half of the season. Philadelphia needs that or like kind of needed a wing off the bench. I thought he was going to fit in great. I thought they were going to give him minutes. And I said, yeah, I think he's the biggest winner. And then like after a couple of weeks, I'm like, wow, they're really not giving him any minutes. I hope mm. nobody took that advice because they're going to be <laughs> mad at me. Um, but now he's in Toronto and he's still pretty young. They have loved like wings, like guys that are tall and can play on, with the ball in their hands that are just a bunch of six, eight guys. Uh, so he kind of fits that mold but it's also not Nick Nurse anymore, so I guess we'll see if that was just a Nick Nurse thing or not. But with Fred VanVleet gone and then potentially still making more moves, I guess we don't really know for sure if they're doing that or not. It seems like they should, but they, maybe they're going to try and run it back, kind of sort of be a competitive team. But I think he could play legit minutes there, and as they kind of enter into what I assume is a rebuild over the next couple of seasons – he can play a legit role for them and has upside kind of like his brother, maybe not quite to the level of his brother, but I was very happy to get him at 258. Yeah. Look, I think we, he, he had some really good moments in Charlotte, as you said, last season, early in the year, um, Philly didn't really use him at all. Uh, I think Toronto will. Um, just looking at their depth chart in Toronto and, if you had to sort of say players that are definitely ahead of him in the rotation, I can see maybe six. So he's potentially seventh man, eighth man. So he'll be in the rotation, I think, most nights. Um, new coach is going to be interesting to see how they use, like Chris Boucher. Is he someone that's going to get consistent minutes? Um, he's getting older. Grady Dick, what's he going to like? How are they going to use him? Um, but then they've got a lot of old guys like Thad Young is there, Garrett Temple's there. They're not going to play minutes really. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a role for him. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, and but if he can get 20 minutes, um, that should be enough for him to be top 200, top 220. Because like you said, he's he plays very similar to his brother, but but not doesn't have the upside obviously or, or the opportunity at the moment but um at 258 yeah you take a chance on a guy that's still quite young yep and fingers crossed there uh we move into the last few rounds i went jose alvarado at 263 and then you went shake milton at 272 uh most of alvarado's production is coming from steals and occasionally assists when he gets to play enough cj mccollum's getting older I doubt he's kind of their point guard of the future, but maybe he's able to carve out a little bit more of a role off the bench as McCollum gets older, maybe misses some games. They limit his minutes kind of thing. Uh, just a little bit of upside there, but probably not a ton. Yeah, I think, I mean, we saw a couple of games where Alvarado blew up last season. He had one game from memory where he hit eight threes or something. He went off, had 34 or even 40 points maybe, high 30s, I can't remember. But um, he's not not a scorer, so he's not a guy that's going to get you that every night, but very good defensively. Uh, they love him there. Like He fits their culture very well. He's a fan favourite. Um, Dyson Daniels is probably going to end up being ahead of him in the rotation, I think. But, um, yeah, I think he, he's he's really good at what he does well, uh, and, and that is going to keep him relevant. 
I think he, he's he may not play every night, but most nights he should see 15, 18 minutes um, as that defensive pest kind of guy. I'm sure I remember playing growing up and play. you hated playing against guys like Jose Alvarado because they just would not stop pestering you and defending hands, talking really annoying like a Patrick Beverly. So, and, and I mean, as we've seen with Patrick Beverly, he's not a great pro, like player in terms of production, but he's had a solid role for his whole career based on him just being annoying. So I think Alvarado will be much the same. Definitely. If he gets on the floor, gets him paid. Respect yep. to it. Uh, you went Shake Milton at 272, who for like a, like a month-long stretch when Tyrese Maxey and James Harden uh, were out was like a second-round value or something just absolutely insane like that. Uh, now he's going to be the backup for Mike Conley or maybe the third option if there's another point guard I'm forgetting. But we've seen him be productive in fantasy. Um, the opportunity isn't really there, but it could result from the same path that it has in the past where – the guys in front of him get hurt and we've seen him do it. So I think it's a good pick at 272. Yeah. I'm not sure what his role looks like. Um, I'm probably, I'm probably more on the Milton bandwagon than a few other people. Cause I, I do like his upside as a facilitator. Um, he'll sort of play that role. I think that last year, Jalen Noel played and Malik Beasley has played in the past. Um but I do think he has more upside to play as a point guard than they did. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin is there as well um, uh, as Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's been pretty good in the World Cup as well. So I'm not exactly sure where he fits in that guard rotation, but I could see them putting the ball in his hands a little bit more if, uh, if like McLaughlin doesn't work out or gets injured or um, they want to go with a a guard option who is more of a scoring threat because McLaughlin is not going to score a lot. Um, and yeah, as we saw last season, I thought he had some really good games. His box score, maybe, maybe I'm just clinging on to what happened at the end of the season where he had 10 assists in a game and then 16 assists in the next game. So maybe that's what I'm basing all of this on. Um, but we're almost in a pick 300 now. So whatever, I'll just see what happens. This is a pick, almost pick three hundred, and probably month number two of this draft. So, yes, it, at that point, it was let's let's just kind of keep this thing rolling. Uh, round fifteen, second to last round, you went Najee Marshall at two eighty nine. I went Josh Okogie at two ninety eight. Uh, Marshall was another guy that had some really good games last season, or at least solid games uh, when they were dealing with a plethora of injuries. Uh, just a serviceable player that with how many injuries are almost feel like a guarantee in new Orleans, especially on the wing. Like we, we talked about the beginning, Trey Murphy already got hurt. Brandon Ingram and Zion, like are quote unquote injury prone players. Obviously we're not wishing that they get hurt, but a, uh, a backup option in Najee Marshall is not a bad thing to have. He's a very serviceable player. Yeah. Look, he's not exciting at all, um, but he's a little bit like, uh, just trying to think who we, who we talked about. Was it someone on your team? I don't know. He, he's one of those guys anyway that's going, oh, a little bit, oh, Bobby Portisy. So an injury to any number of players, he steps up. So like D'Anthony Melton a little bit in Philly, um, he's not relying on one person to get injured. Uh, it could be if Ingram goes out, if Zion goes out, if uh, Herb Jones goes out, Marshall can sort of play multiple positions. 
slot in there. He's never going to play more than about 20 minutes a game. Um, doesn't have a lot of upside. Uh, so he's a little bit like this this point in a dynasty, you are looking for upside. He probably doesn't have a ton, but he is only 25. So maybe there is some upside there, but he'll do a little bit across the board, both ends of the court. Um, so, yeah, look, this at this point in the in a draft, if you've done a draft this deep, you're really struggling to even recognise names uh, in the in the draft room. So uh, I just took him because I know that he has a, a decent role and he should have a similar role for at least the next few years. Yep. And then I went Josh Okogie, 298, uh, partially because he went to high school about 45 minutes more. I went to high school and then partially because he actually could start the season for the Suns has been really good at getting defensive stats, specifically steals throughout his career. Finally, was able to showcase a jump shot last year, uh, which was the reason he was on the floor kind of after their big deadline trade for Kevin Durant. I think he slides in at the starter. I don't think that makes him a really, really good fantasy option. But getting steals and threes, like I said, I didn't go defense for like 75% of this draft. So I added a little bit here and just another guy that's going to be on the floor. Because uh, at this point, I think it's you're either getting guys that are going to play minutes in like the 20 to 25 range. And mm. He averaged 29 minutes per game over the last two months last year. So maybe you can get more than that. Or you're going with an upside swing. And I went with a win now guy considering I got some young guys early. Yeah, look, yeah, he's fine. Um, again, as, as you said, it's, it's either a guy that's going to have a solid role or – guy with just tons of upside. Um, he'll get you some defensive stats, which you need. Um, he's, yeah, he's, we've seen him. I mean, he's not super young. We, we've seen that he, he struggles um, to score at times, but um, I think for what you need at this point of the draft, he, he's, he's a guy that will get defensive stats and should be playing enough where you can actually use those defensive stats. Yep. And final round, I went Royce O'Neal with pick 303, and then you went Malachi Flynn at 312. Again, just another win-now-ish kind of guy that's going to play a pretty good size role. Uh, should be able to get me some defensive stats, maybe like not maybe not a ton, but he averaged 1.1 steals in his last season with the Nets, 0.9 last year – or excuse me, last season with the Jazz, 0.9 last year with the Nets. Um Hit some threes, not great, but it's pick 303. So if he's able to produce some stats, then I think that I'm pretty happy with my last pick. Um, Cause especially cause a lot of what I think some of the upside swings at this point, like Gigi Jackson went 301, which like, sure. Yeah. He could pan out like definitely has the talent. Former five-star recruit was the number one recruit for this upcoming high school class, I believe, or the upcoming draft class before he reclassed. So sure there's the upside, but Royce O'Neal can help me now. Gigi Jackson may never. So not, I, w- I didn't have a chance to get Gigi Jackson there, but just for example, it's kind of the two directions you're going at this point. Uh, what did you think about me wrapping up the draft with Royce O'Neal? Yeah, I think he's fine. Like if, if you've taken some upside flyers a little bit before this in the 200s, at least, as you said, you know Royce is going to play minutes. He's going to have a role. So he is someone that you can plug in. I mean, he was he was standard league relevant for most of last season. Um, his role probably isn't what it was then, but 
he's yeah, he, he's solid both ends of the floor. Should play minutes, so he is someone that if you if some of your upside guys aren't panning out or aren't getting minutes, you can throw Royce O'Neill in um, as a plug and play kind of guy um, who will at least be chipping away and getting you some stats. Yeah, and then you wrapped up the draft with Malachi Flynn at three twelve, who is the backup for Germany star Dennis Schroeder. Um, which the day that uh, the U.S. lost to Lithuania. Uh, Dennis Schroeder outplayed Luka Doncic and led Germany to a blowout win. Um, not so Malachi Flynn will be his backup. I just was surprised that nobody talked about Dennis Schroeder outplaying Luka, but I get the focus was on USA losing, which is fine. Um, but Malachi Flynn will be his backup after kind of being Fred Van Vliet's backup ish along with Delano Banton last year. Um, Still pretty young, if I'm as I'm pulling this up. Still pretty young, 25, so not not old, not I mean, not dramatically young, but a solid backup for Schroeder. But Schroeder's not a franchise point guard of the future. Like he's a solid starter, so could be some potential upside there. I mean, he's the backup. He could end up taking some starts here and there. I think that's pretty good for the last round. Uh, yeah, look, I'm okay with him, but I actually I don't remember drafting him at all, so I don't know whether it was on auto draft. I'm maybe I uh, did take him, and it was auto draft. It was draft. Okay, so it was auto draft. So no, look, I'm okay with him there um, because yeah, they don't have a lot of guard depth in Toronto, so there's an opportunity for him to play some minutes. I'm just looking through the the players like who's left now, players that weren't drafted. There's probably a couple of guys that I might take over him, but um, at this point, I'd probably wait to see what his role looks like to start the season because we we don't know. Schroeder has obviously been very good in FIBA, but we've seen throughout his NBA career he's a bit hit or miss. Um, so, oh, yeah, look, I'm okay with it um, at this point. But it, as with any league, whether it's redraft or dynasty, these last, what, two, three picks are guys that you're potentially going to stream anyway. Um, so... Give him a few weeks. If he's playing 22 minutes, 20 minutes, okay, I'll give him a shot. If he's playing six minutes or not playing, I'll drop him and pick up someone um, someone off waivers. Chetty Osman's there, Jordan Nawara, Alec Burks. So there's guys there that I could pick up. Yeah. And we managed to get through the final, I guess, 11 rounds of this draft in about an hour after doing only the first five in an hour with mm. Zach. So he was just slowing us down. Apparently um, you know how he is, but I do. I'm glad I'm glad he was able to get his uh, X monograph at least, but um, Adam, thank you for both hosting this mock and joining me a couple times to talk about it. I'm sure you will definitely be back on, um, but thank you for joining me. No, it's always fun. Good to have a chat. Um, just having a look at the world cup, now, because mm. we just talked about Germany beating Slovenia. Slovenia plays Canada tonight. Should be fun. Um, and it's probably on at a good time for you guys, I think. It's 10.30 here. So that would be 8.30 Eastern, your time. Um, That's actually not bad. Yeah. Uh, should be should be a good game. Um, Canada looked really good. Slovenia, obviously, Luca. I don't know. They were just really bad in the last game. So after after they smashed Australia um, and knocked us out, which was very nice of them, um, 
yeah, it should be a fun game. So, uh, but back on the topic of the, the show, yes, I will. Sure, I will be back on, and I'm sure I'll have you on on my show as well um, before the start of the season. Yeah, and back off the topic, we get to see the Dylan Brooks Luka Doncic matchup tonight, which I know everybody's had marked in their calendars. Um, but yeah, Adam, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I will let you get to show number two for you today. I think by the time this comes out, it'll be a few days after, but Adam is doing three podcasts today on top of his job. Uh, yeah, fantasy writer grind, I guess. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining me and thank you for listening.